Hello and welcome back to the Ideas for COSA podcast. My name is Paul Giovanni, and I am your host. I am also the lead moderator of San Antonio's most vibrant civic discussion community, the Ideas for COSA Facebook group. Go to facebook.com slash ideas for COSA and share your ideas with San Antonio. Um, it's been a while since I've recorded a podcast. I'm thinking that I want to do more of these this year. Um, we did about 20, I think 21 last year. So this is the 22nd. And I want to focus um, more on talking to experts in San Antonio, not so much candidates and politicians, um, but people who have intimate knowledge with and experience with civic issues. Um, so if you know anyone who would like to be on the show, please reach out to me at ideasforcosa at gmail.com. Um, for this episode, I visited with Navarra Williams. He is the CEO of SAM Ministries, which is one of San Antonio's leading organizations that help our homeless population. They also work on preventing homelessness and assisting people um, with transitioning out of home homelessness. Um, you can learn more about this wonderful organization at samm.org. Um, so let's get to the interview. I met with Navarra last week at the SAM Ministries Transitional Facility. Um, we kind of start our discussion um, on that topic, and I hope you enjoy. And as always, please feel free to comment or share follow-up questions. So uh, SAM Ministries, we're an interfaith ministry whose mission is to help the homeless and those at risk of becoming homeless attain self-sufficiency. And today we just toured our Transitional Living and Learning Center, uh, our most comprehensive program for helping folks that are homeless get back to self-sufficiency. Where are people in the process when we talk about homelessness? The people that are at this facility, where where are they, and and where what situations are they in? Where did they come from, and where mm -hmm. what's the next step after this? So, so a lot of the folks that are in this program um, couldn't have been helped by, our, let's say, our homeless prevention program, um, or some of the other programs that we have here at Sam Ministries. And this is very comprehensive because families get up to two years to stay in this program to work themselves back to self-sufficiency. Um, and they do that through a focus on education and job skills and a focus uh, with the children and the adults uh, on, on their education. So I kind of sent you some questions. Maybe we can get in some of those. I want to make sure, you know, the reason I wanted to talk to you is because in the Facebook group I managed called Ideas for COSA where we've talked about homelessness, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not sure people are always talking about the same thing. There's obviously a lot of different situations people are in when they're homeless right. obviously um panhandling has been in more of a political or right. issue in the media um but we we haven't got a real in-depth look at you know the people that are doing things for homeless people okay. um so i mean one of the questions i had off the top, I think the top of my list was why are people homeless right. and obviously there's not one answer to that question right. but maybe you can kind of give us a rundown of the most common reasons why sure. and, and situations sure. people are in. So some of the factors are very low income or loss of income, uh, no safety net, uh, domestic violence uh, has, has cropped up as uh, a big issue for folks uh, that are going through homelessness now, obviously, and particularly for the women. Uh, with more resources that are focused on domestic violence uh, today than, than ever before. Um, it's, it's interesting. So the all of the folks that receive federal dollars uh, do what's called the point in time count. So we count all the homeless, and that's done all across the mm -hmm. country. And uh, in San Antonio last year, I think we had 2,743 in our count, uh, which is a relatively 
low number. And then, you know, that's about uh, 1.4% of the Bear County population. And the average for the country was a, about a 1.6%. Mm. So that's not too far off of the, the, the whole country average. Yeah. Now you said low income, uh, you know, are people, why, why are they in low income situations? They're didn't, they don't have any education. They can't hold a job, drugs. What, what are some well, of the factors you just, there? You just described <laughs> them all. Yeah. A lot of it is a, is low education. Uh, we, we do have a, a lot of people here without a GED. Um, a lot of the clients that enter our programs, uh, don't have a, a GED, um, or, uh, they just have, you know, a high school diploma. Um, there's not a whole lot of college-educated people uh, that come to us, but mm-hmm. in this two-year program at the transitional facility, folks have worked on uh, their degrees. Uh, the folk, they work on their GED. We've had folks that have completed AA degrees. We have folks that have completed their bachelor's degrees. We have folks that have completed their master's degrees because wow. they, they got interrupted through this whole process at some point. And then we've even had uh, a couple of folks to finish their law degrees here their last year of law school that they never got done. No so it's, it's a wide range and spectrum, but everyone gets the opportunity then to work on their education uh, and their job skills. So it's, it's kind of hard for me to believe or grasp that someone could be in law school and then be homeless. Well, then- they, they had been in law school a while ago. Yeah. And, you know, then okay. they had the so trauma in their ago. life, right? And then they were able to sort of catch back up and finish that last year. Okay. It's, it's, it's amazing. But even and so. In fact, one of the folks that went through that program came to work for Sam Ministries for a while, and she decided she wasn't going to practice law, that she would go into the development department. And she worked with us for several years. Uh, her name was Annie, and um, we were really proud of her. Wow. Um, that's obviously not more of an outlier, probably. It is. It is. The common situation. Um, so, what? Um, let's think here. What? I mean, what else is Sam? We're at the transitional facility. What else day to day is Sam Ministries doing? I think you told me you have like 70, 75 people. Um, the ten million dollar budget. This right. is obviously an important part of everything. But what else are you guys doing? Um, and the rest of the organization? Yeah, and the rest okay. of the organization, yeah. So let me just walk you through the programs real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a homeless prevention program, uh, which we started um, in 2008. And this, this is a really good story because in, in 2008, we were looking for something uh, for a couple of major donors to invest in. And uh, people were talking about homeless prevention, but it hadn't really started. What that means is you could give someone that was about to be evicted, uh, you can uh, pay their back rent. Or if you're going to get evicted because your utility is going to cut off, you'd pay that utility bill. And um, so we raised the money. We started a program. And I kid you not, eight months later, in 2009, remember what happened in 2009, the economy flipped. The federal Mm -hmm. government came out with an exact program like ours for a billion dollars, actually $1.5 billion. So San Antonio got $5 million and, and you know, Sam Ministries was the only one that had a program like that. So I asked for the whole five million. <laughs> and the city said, No, Navarro, you can't have the whole five million, but you can have five hundred thousand. But the federal government was real smart about this because they said oh, usually if you got a grant, you had a whole year to operate and then evaluate and so forth. This was we're gonna check every quarter if you're not using the money fast enough and if you're not using it right, we're gonna take the money away from you and give it to somebody else. So because our program uh 
because they didn't pay for staff. So if you were going to take this money, you had to raise money for staff. Well, sure enough, a lot of people didn't do that. And we ended up short, you know, long story short, we ended up uh, with about two and a half million dollars, additional dollars in that program. And we kept 10,000 people out of homelessness for that three year period. So you were one of the better agents that was using that money and ended up coming back to you. Modestly, I'll say (laughs) we were were the agent, (laughs) we were the agent. Now there's very few people that have continued the homeless prevention program because those dollars are gone. But um, we've been able to expand upon that and get additional uh, funding from the Texas Veterans Commission um, and from a private funder that wanted to help seniors. So I would say Sam Ministries has the most comprehensive homeless prevention program in the city. And we track the families for up to 18 months, and 97% of the f- those folks that we helped with that one-time intervention stay out of homelessness wow. after 18 months. So how months. does someone get get that intervention? Where do you find them? Do they find you? They find us. Okay. <laughs> they find us. And we, you know, we have a, 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 a team that sort of talks to people. Uh, some of it's done online now. And, uh, and then we're able to, to see if they qualify for the program. And what are the qualifications? Um, Basically, you have to have a disconnection notice uh, for utilities. You have to have an eviction notice. Um, And then we sort of look at your financial situation. Um, Some people, you know, this is a one-time help kind of program uh, for the most part. The the senior program and the veterans program have a little more flexibility. But basically, if we don't think that they can, uh, you know, survive or stay self-sufficient with that one-time gift, then we try to get them to a different Mm. program. Okay. So then that leads me to the next program, which is called uh, rapid rehousing. So let's say you're in an, so you, you weren't eligible for prevention, and then you actually end up going to the Haven for Hope or the Salvation Army, which are the two largest um, uh, shelters, emergency shelters, which Sam Ministries yeah. started that way. But we don't do that anymore. Um, so, uh, so we have staff at Haven for Hope, which can be, they the Haven folks can refer uh, a person that says, "Look, this person looks like they're good for rapid rehousing." What rapid rehousing is, is you get a chance to uh, get your security deposit and one to twelve months of your rent paid based on where you are in the cycle and how far you can develop and how fast you can develop and some t- there's different programs but the idea is to get you out of emergency shelter quickly and to let you get back to self-sufficiency mm-hmm. okay so you mentioned Haven for Hope they they kind of put you out of the shelter business maybe when they came <laughs> when I resent that they put us out of the shelter <laughs> business but but actually or, what, so, well you guys are doing a lot of no you're you right know, so Sam Ministry started as emergency shelter and we were the emergency shelter for 25 years before Haven for Hope now, and Haven I, for Hope long, uh, debuted in 2010. Okay, I know that because I came late in 2007 when I started this job, and the board said, "Oh, by the way, you're going to have to close the Sam Shelter and work with the Haven for for Hope. That's probably going to take a couple of years, but mm. congratulations!" <laughs> and so that's what we, that's what I did. We worked on the project together, and Sam Ministry's role was to be the um, we would supervise the dorms. So. Uh, what that meant was Haven for Hope did the case management and so forth, and Haven could say, okay, we you know, graduated this many people out of homelessness. And what we could say was, well, we helped 900 people sleep safely every night. Not, not quite as strong an outcome. Yeah. So over time, you know, working with the Haven uh, leadership and actually Mr. Grehe himself, uh, he agreed to have uh, our employees stay with Haven that were doing the monitoring 
and then uh, we we left the campus, uh, except that we left a few staff for our other programs. And uh, so we focused on homeless prevention. We focused on um, rapid rehousing. Mm-hmm. And so we have a lot of clients now coming from Haven that come into our rapid rehousing program. Uh, so we're actually working better we're together good, now. Yeah. I mean, I, the more you think about I mean, a lot of people might think of homelessness as just panhandlers or just shelters. But obviously, there's a lot of different modes that you kind of have to attack this like very complex problem. So exactly, you mentioned the prevention, rapid rehousing. Are there we have the transitional right facility? So yeah, sort of like homeless prevention, transitional housing, rapid rehousing. Not homeless prevention, rapid rehousing, transitional housing, and then permanent supportive housing. And we're and we have a program with that too. So what permanent supportive housing is if someone has a disability in the family then uh, your rent gets paid. Mm. And, uh, and then Sam Ministries does the, the case management. And you could that's be- federal you could, money That's or? federal, that's HUD money. Yeah, okay. HUD, Department of Housing and yeah. Urban Development money. Thank you. And, and FUD, HUD, we basically get, in, in all government funds, whether it's HUD, the state of Texas, and so forth, um, is really only about uh, 35% of our budget. So okay. we have to raise the rest of it privately through your listeners. Yeah, right. <laughs> Send money. Yeah, we can do that. We'll put we'll put a link up. Although we just we just uh, kind of prohibited donations from okay. being solicited okay. from. Well, as long as they know that we they know need we their, can tell them we too. Need we their just donations. can't post a link, so we'll tell That's them. Okay. Yeah, we we'll need let their them donations. Uh, <laughs> um, so Haven for Hope, Sam Ministries. Who else in town? Is anyone doing it similar to what you guys are doing, or um, who? Yes, I mean, well, the Salvation Army does mm-hmm. emergency shelter. I think they do a little transitional housing. I think we we have the the biggest transitional housing in yeah. the city, and I think uh, there's a couple of other organizations that that do some similar uh, things as well. But I think Haven for Hope is obviously the largest emergency shelter. Yeah, and how? I mean, give some context to Haven for Hope mm-hmm. in terms of maybe the country. I know it was a big deal when oh, it. Yeah. When they yeah. announced it and when they opened it, it it, it um, is it is a big deal. I mean, it is one of the unique things that we have in in San Antonio. It's a one hundred million dollar homeless transform transformation campus. So while they do do a lot of emergency shelter, they also try to help folks, you know, improve their education, improve their job skills as well. So that's that's a similarity mm-hmm. between us, and. Um, it, it's got resources that nothing else in the in the country has. And, and Mr. Greehy was uh, very insightful about how he did it. Uh, and he brought, there's probably 40 other organizations that started on the, on the campus with him, including Sam Ministries. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of those relationships still exist. Some people moved off the campus like Sam Ministries, but it is a phenomenal um, effort and, and great results. And now they have a new CEO who is also a former business guy like me. His name is Kenny Wilson. Okay. <laughs> and I know when when it was announced that they were going to build Haven for Hope, some people were like, oh, we're going to build a, you know, this like really nice hotel for homeless people and people are going to, homeless people are going to flock to San Antonio. Has that happened at all? What, is, what has been, because now we're seven, eight years removed from right. the debut how how have they fared? How have the results been? And the, the result the results have been very good. Um, and I think there were people at first that did try to come to 
to San Antonio or uh, other uh, cities would give people bus tickets to come to San Antonio. And uh, basically, we put a rule in place that you had to live in Bear County for mm. you know 60 days or something uh, like that before you could apply for services. So that put the kibosh on on a lot of, of that kind of thing. Um, and then you know, there's there's the other thing too of people that kind of come and, and then you talk to them and say, well, do you have if we can get you back to where you were, uh, do you have an opportunity to to be self sufficient or live with someone? And and some of that happens too. Okay. Um. Maybe we can talk a little bit about, again, widening the context nationally. How does, like, I'm sure you go to other cities maybe mm-hmm. and, and observe how they're tackling this problem. What do you see other people doing? What are we doing uniquely or what what have you okay. taken for other cities maybe? Okay, so so uh, I a couple of years ago I went to a conference in Los Angeles and I got to tour um, Skid Row. And I'm telling you, there's I've never seen anything like that. I, mean, I grew up in uh, inner city Washington D.C. area, and yeah, we had homeless people. But Skid Row is just—it's just devastating to even just look at it. It's—it's uh, it's troubling. And um, you know, the thing about Los Angeles, like I said, San Antonio, according to our point in time count, we have about like a 1.44 percent of our population in Bear County, and um, you know, Los Angeles has a 1.58. Uh, and so I mean it's it's you know it's not it's not that that different uh, actually at one point four four percent for Los Angeles so the, so yeah so, so, so pretty similar similar I mean they capita. have fifty eight thousand people but they're a much bigger city right mm-hmm. so uh, but, but what's interesting about that so is, why are people congregating right right so the most place, interesting yeah. about that is in San Antonio only forty percent of our homeless are unsheltered when we did our count. Ninety-eight mm-hmm. percent of Los Angeles homeless are unsheltered. Wow! So that, and then they, you know, they congregate, you know, sort of in that area and some other areas, and that's why that problem is so prevalent. Ninety-eight percent, almost every homeless person is unsheltered. That's and so, what qualifies as as sheltered then? Shelter. You could be in an emergency shelter, okay. or you could be in a program, okay, and so forth. These are people not that are living on with the other street. people, though. Not not living with a friend, or, right? Okay. Right. This is people on the street. Okay. So they just don't have the shelter facilities. No, that the we housing have? costs are just you know it's just it's crazy. crazy. Does and I mean we have a pretty good climate to be unsheltered relatively. I mean it's not perfect. Obviously, there's no perfect climate for that. Um, but Los Angeles does the weather play a factor in people oh, yeah. being unsheltered people can and just, be they can be unsheltered just, yeah. uh, but it's just not uh, sanitary in a lot yeah. of situations it's um, yeah. so do you know what they're what they're doing there i know this is kind of off topic for san antonio but i'm interested just how are yeah. they trying to fix that problem? so so what i learned while i was there is that they're really trying to get more affordable housing and they they showed us a couple of places they had converted uh, they might convert, you know, sort of an art museum or something. Or they may, they were converting other properties into sort of a fo- affordable housing units. And they also were mixing uh, low-income housing and homeless housing together, too. So they were trying to create some spaces where it could be affordable for either someone to operate a program or for someone to afford to live there. Okay. Um so yeah, that's interesting. I mean, obviously we're we're in a much better place in terms of not and that that the Skid Row thing has become with social media now. Someone can go down there and take a video and put that online, and people definitely bringing some attention 
to the problem, but um, it's like it's the it's the worst thing I've ever seen in terms of of homelessness. It's 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 enlightening and also it it makes you really have a lot of empathy for those folks that are living in those conditions. Yeah. Um. One thing I was curious about, maybe you can give some. I don't know if you have any historical knowledge of things cities have maybe San Antonio has done or cities have done bad policies that cities have enacted that maybe maybe were done in good faith or maybe they weren't maybe they were just explicitly i know the panhandling well, that's thing. the one that's the one I was, that's okay. the one that sticks out the most to me is is um you know they they were going to uh, do this panhandling ordinance um and then i also think that they were looking at uh, maybe ticketing the person that provided the dollars that's, uh, yeah, I think I, and I, and I should know this, but I think the ordinance was to make it illegal to give people yes. money, right? Yes, was that the, yes, exactly. And so the, and that didn't fly. In fact, uh, even now, uh, I read that, that when they were ticketing all the, you know, the homeless people or the panhandlers, that they ended up throwing out like 9,000 counts, you know, the, the folks that had been charged just because mm-hmm. it was such a backlog of it and so forth and so on. So I don't, I don't know where it's going. I just I know it is. Panhandling is, is different. I mean, yeah, some, how different some panhandlers is are homeless. Yeah. But I, I you know, I the, the sense that I get is that a lot of them are not. They may be marginalized. You know, they may be yeah, living in low, low cost low. housing or so forth and so on. So when we ran the SAM shelter, um, everyone that came to eat didn't stay in the shelter that night you know it wasn't a requirement for you to stay in the shelter to get fed yeah. so there were people that were marginalized that needed food they just they would come down out. have their dinner and then and they would leave you 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 there was a two process one was uh, eating which was actually performed by saint vincent de paul they provide, prepared the food and then there was a check-in process for the shelter okay so and I know you can't answer this question for everybody, but should should we give money to panhandlers or should we give money to people sitting on the corner? You know, how how do you deal with that dilemma? Because that's I mean, that's yeah. that's a time old age old debate. Right. And, and it's still a time old age old debate. Yeah. I mean, people people. I mean, what we, we say is people really um, need to do what, what they feel is right for them in terms of whether they wish to do that. But what we also say is that you don't really know if that per, what that person is going to do with the money. Mm-hmm. You know that some panhandlers are marginalized. Some panhandlers handlers are using, you know, substance abuse uh, items, you know, drugs or alcohol. Um, and so, what we do know is, if you give it to an organization like Sam Ministries or or any other nonprofit, you at least have a way to look at the nine ninety uh-huh. and see how the money's being used and what they're doing with the money. And you guys are going and meeting these people, asking questions, learning them, bringing them in. It's you're not just you're not obviously not just dropping the money off. So maybe every every dollar you give to someone on the street, we should give a dollar to Sam Ministries. Too. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's a good idea because we, we will tell you that eighty five percent of whatever you give us goes into the programs yeah yeah good um i had a question on the top of my head i can't remember it now um well you know you you asked me a question about being what's unique in san antonio yeah and uh and now i think sam ministries is is pretty unique on homeless prevention you know like i said most of the programs went away when the when the big money uh went away from the federal government in like 2012 so we thought it was such a strong program. We continue to fundraise for it, um, and and today we're the only one that has uh, 
the kind of programs that we have or the diversity of programs that we have because we have one, one a program, homeless prevention for individuals, families, and so forth. We have a homeless program for veterans, uh, and we have a homeless program for seniors. Uh -huh. And I know we're the only one that has a homeless program for seniors. And for seniors, uh, that's Medi uh, Medicare eligible, uh, which, which means that you, you have to be at least 62 or you could suffer from uh, ALS. So, I mean, there are folks that are, you know, 18, 20 that may have ALS, and they're eligible for that program as well. Wow. Um, what do you think, what do you think we need more of in San Antonio? Like if you, if, if you could get more dollars or if you could start another organization, or if you could increase your efforts, what would you? What do you think we need the most? I, I think we we need more homeless prevention dollars. I mean, I think if a program is run uh, uh, with the efficacy that that we have, where you know, again, ninety five, ninety six percent of those folks stay in their home after that one time help, uh, and it is also the lowest investment require. Mm -hmm. We we keep a family in their home for around seven hundred fifty eight hundred dollars. This program that I just toured with you, the Transitional Living and Learning Center, if the family stays for up to two years, is at least forty thousand dollars. Wow! So um, it's and then, like I said, since we track those families, how do we track the families? One, we can call them. Two, there is a, a homeless management database for all of the homeless service providers in San Antonio. So if we can't get them by phone, we can go look in that ba database and see if in they accessed accessed any other homeless services. And if they hadn't, then then we know that they're still self-sufficient. So I, mean, I guess it's like almost any chronic problem prevention. If you can prevent, that's that's exactly. always cheaper. It's always more cost effective. And obviously it's better for the person and that you're preventing from getting into that that's situation. A, that's a good point because one of the two folks that helped found our prevention program, fund our prevention program from the beginning was a physician. Oh, okay. Good. And we know the medical world is changing a little bit. We, we see a lot more attention on nutrition and diet and exercise and less on feeding people pills. You know, it's just, it's a lot more costly when you get to that point. Exactly. So, but what else, and maybe this isn't specifically what you guys do, mm -hmm. but what, what do you think just in society needs to be done? Do, does in schools, do we need to teach oh more gosh. life skills? Oh do we need gosh. to? Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, even beyond life skills, just a, a whole refocus on education. I mean, I think, I mean, Texas has a horrible ranking in terms of, you know, where we, we rank on, on, uh, on education mm -hmm. in, in, our, in our country. And I, you know, the, one of the reasons why I'm here at, at SAM Ministries, and particularly is this program, the Transitional Living and Learning Program, which focuses on education, was because I, I grew up poor. I mean, I wasn't homeless, but we were always, you know, one check away from it. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and five of us in a very small apartment. And um, and my education opportunities were were the things was the thing that gave me a chance to, you know, get my undergraduate degree, get my master's degree, have a long business career. Um, and and when I decided that I it was time for me to go into nonprofit, as I because I had worked on uh, I had chaired a lot of nonprofit stuff here in San Antonio and elsewhere. Um, then, then I picked this program and this organization because of their focus on their education. And why did you? Why did you decide? I know you used to work for cable companies. Mm -hmm. 
maybe give some background on your history a little bit and why you why did you come over to the nonprofit side and, and what keeps you going with at Sam okay. Ministries? Okay, so the, sh- the short version is, um, yeah, I started uh, ra- running cable companies in in the uh, early '80s and uh, was fortunate to get here in San Antonio in 1991 when Sam uh, when uh, Paragon Cable was the eighth largest cable system in the whole country mm-hmm. and so um, Time Warner bought us and then I was able to stay with them uh, for a long time um, I had a separation with Time Warner went to California and uh, my personal life was bringing me back to, to San Antonio at that point in time by that time I'd been in the cable industry for you know 25 years and uh, I was ready to do something different I'm old yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not ready to retire yet but I you know I wanted to, yeah, to keep, that keep working <laughs> And uh, and so I was looking around, and, and the guy that had run Sam Ministries had run it for 17 years, and he had just left. His name was Bob Martindale. He did a phenomenal job. He he started this this program, uh, the Transitional Living and Learning yeah, Center. Yeah. And um, and so uh, I looked at it, and when I saw this program and how the folk they focus on education, is like, well, this is what I, I want to do. This I want to help these young kids, uh, and the parents, but the young kids in particular get back on track with education because typically homeless children are a grade behind, you know, they perform, uh, they don't perform well in math and science. You know, if we can get them back on track, that's going to not just change one life. It's going to change a lot of lives. But what, what moved you from to leave the private industry? Like did you did that a decision or did this opportunity come up and you said, Oh, this is an opportunity I want to be at specifically. Yeah. Or did you say, I got to do something different with my yeah, life? I, so, so there's, there's a book I read. There's a book called halftime from success to significance. And, um, long story short, I, I didn't really recognize. I knew the, the guy who wrote the book cause someone recommended it. I just got it and I'm three pages in and I see the name and I'm like, Oh, I know him. He was in the cable was, industry as well. Who was it? His name is Bob Buford. Okay. And they owned a small cable system here in, in Texas anyway. Um, so basically the theory of the book or the theorem of the book is that, um, you take the last half or third of your life. If you've been blessed, then you can give back to others, you know, take the lessons you've learned, take your experience and give it to someone that probably couldn't afford you, you know, mm-hmm. in the job that you have today, yeah. but that, um, you can make a difference in they, others' yeah. lives. And, be, and because focus, people focused on my education with me so much, and, and I know that's the reason why I had the life that I had, um, that was very appealing to me. So I know we can't speak for him, but you mentioned Kenny Wilson, yeah, this yeah. new CEO at Haven for Hope, I, and I've never met him or I don't know of him at all. Um, do you, what's what's his situation? He said he left the business world. I, I believe Did he have a similar, very very similar transformation. And, and we're all following uh, uh, a guy named Toby, who's at Mission Road Ministries. I mean, Toby Summers, and he he's he's I think was really one of the first major business guys. I think he ran the. Uh, the plant, Coca-Cola plant, uh, Pepsi plant, whichever was here in San Antonio. And, and he was one of the first that went over from a big business deal to a nonprofit. He's, he's still there. I think oh, really? he's been there a while and I've been here for 10 years. So I'm sure he's been there for 12 or 13. Well, um, I think we kind of hit on this, but what, is there anything on the horizon for you guys? Are you, are you raising funds for anything specifically or just keep keeping everything going? And- well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a the very exciting thing happening for us this year because this is our 35th anniversary. And, uh, 
we don't usually do or we've never done an evening function so we're going to be doing an evening function mm. in september uh for the first time ever so we'll be inviting the community to, to come to that it's going to be a lot of when fun is that? i think it's september 8th okay and it's at the um the vista at valero valero has a a you know a uh, venue place yeah. there and it's very nice plenty of parking because it'll be at night yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and then speaking of fundraising you think you gave some of this info earlier but how does your funding break down between federal maybe federal dollars mm -hmm. government dollars mm -hmm. big donors small donors how do okay so yeah, so the the funding uh, again, uh, we have to raise about sixty to sixty five percent of our funds every year. Most nonprofits don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is probably the biggest challenge that that we have. Um, and like I said, around thirty thirty five percent comes from uh, not just the federal government, but federal government, state government, local government. Um, so those funds, as long as we do well, we generally will retain. Actually, we just received a new some new funding for uh, a program from the Department of Housing and Urban Development uh, for uh, additional what we call permanent supportive housing. So, um, and I described that earlier, but uh, there's very very few units of that in San Antonio. And San Ministries has about um, a third of all of the permanent mm -hmm. supportive housing units in San Antonio. So we're yeah. I think we're a leader in that program too. Oh. But the last thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, Julian Castro's initiative oh, yes. as HUD secretary yes. with ending veteran homelessness. I believe he came out and said we've, uh, quote unquote, effectively ended veteran homelessness in the country, right? No. Or, or just Bear County or San Antonio? Okay, so let me, I'll, yeah. I'll give you the right facts there. Give me, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so he did the challenge. And if you think about all of the cities and counties and states, because you can do it as a city, as a county, as a state, in the whole country, only 50 have done that so far. 50 cities? 50 cities, counties, states. Have been three states his, have okay, achieved okay. ending veteran yeah. homelessness. He challenged the entire nation. He hey, here's a way nation, to end nation. veteran homelessness. Yep. We're going to task. Okay, so and what out, and he, out of the tens and tens of yeah. thousands of all those ent entities, only fifty have achieved it so far. San Antonio so, was one. San Antonio was one of the one. biggest ones, right. probably. Exactly. Now, there's, there's, I think there's three states that have actually oh, accomplished okay. it too. Oh, wow. So the, the, essentially, what the federal government said is, you have to identify every veteran that's on the street, and once you've identified them, you've got to have housing inventory for everyone that's been identified. Now, if the veteran says, nope, I don't want it, I'm staying out, then that one doesn't count. So we found okay. over 800 veterans, and we housed 780, 770 or so. Oh, we got, wow. So I mean, only, only like 20, 30 refused. Everybody else got housing. And you have to give USAA a lot of credit. They came in with the last million dollars for the community to make that happen. So Sam Ministries was a part of it. Other nonprofit, um, other homeless nonprofits were a part of it as well. But together, uh, I think there was only seven entities that were recognized for ending veterans homelessness here in San Antonio, and that's it's a big accomplishment. So that was a, yeah, a pretty big joint effort, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm surprised that if there's 800, 780, actually you've actually I thought the number would be lower. Um, but so those they the say effectively that, ending the, it, they right, effectively right. did end it. Those are the ones that weren't housed and the, we, no one, we didn't have the housing for them. We didn't have the money for them. You know, so all of us got a little bit of money mm -hmm. uh, from the federal government to help. But mostly I would say USAA 
save the day. And what about making sure we, we have to maintain it? We have to maintain that, and we're doing that as a as a community okay. of, of service providers. And then maybe we talked about this a little bit, but why would someone say no? I don't don't help me. I don't. Is that mental issues, drugs, or yeah, or maybe could, they're it, just happy with? It, it's, it's usually tied to just one of those top first two things you mentioned, either some mental illness. Um, it, it could be, um, you know, uh, what happens when you come back from a war and you've, you've got the um, PTSD. Yes, yeah. PTSD. Thank you. I'm sorry. I had a, no. I had an old man blank there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's folks that have PTSD. And, and actually what we were able to do, because you can only get federal funds if you have you know, uh, the right kind of exit from, from, uh, the, um, military. And, and so we were helping people that didn't have an honorable discharge, Oh, really? you know, and, and it, because you, you, they're still yeah. a veteran, but if they have, they don't have an honorable discharge, they're not eligible for most of the federal programs. Right, yeah. So that's a lot of the folks that we were helping. We were helping the folks that had the, the biggest issues. Wow. Yeah. So, I guess to extrapolate that program to everyone in San Antonio, what, what kind of effort would that take oh, then? That'd be, I mean, that's, that'd be yeah. kind of astronomical to. Yeah. You know, the way I think about it is uh, last year, San Ministries helped uh, about 5,200 people in one form or another mm-hmm. uh, stay out of homelessness. And so without San Ministries, we would have had another 5,200 people on the streets. You know, that's kind of the way that I, I look at it. And so do we need like two Sam Ministries or three Sam Ministries? <laughs> what no, what just, would it take? You to... just need to give Sam Ministries more money. Well, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. But 5,200 people, how many people should do we really need to get off the streets to effectively end it? Yeah. Um, so so then if, if you take my sort of philosophy on that, you know, you got the Haven for Hope, they, all of their clients. Mm-hmm. You've got some of these other uh, organizations, Salvation Army, all their clients. So, I mean, without these nonprofits, we would have a horrendous homeless program. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And again, please visit samm.org, that's sam.org, to support all of the great work Navara and Sam Ministries are doing in San Antonio. Um, Also, a special thank you, as always, to all of our members who participate and contribute to the Ideas for COSA Facebook group. I hope to see you there.